Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I am honored to have this invitation to address the annual meeting of the Dallas Citizens Council, joined by the members of the Dallas Assembly, and pleased to have this opportunity to salute the Graduate Research Center of the Southwest. It is fitting that these two symbols of Dallas progress are united in the sponsorship of this meeting, for they represent the best qualities, I'm told, of leadership and learning in this city. And leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. The advancement of learning depends on community leadership for financial and political support. And the products of that learning, in turn, are essential to the leadership's hopes for continued progress and prosperity. It is not a coincidence that those communities possessing the best in research and graduate facilities, from MIT to Caltech, tend to attract the new and growing industries. And I congratulate those of you here in Dallas who have recognized these basic facts through the creation of the unique and forward-looking Graduate Research Center. This link between leadership and learning is not only essential at the community level, it is even more indispensable in world affairs. Ignorance and misinformation can handicap the progress of a city or a company, but they can, if allowed to prevail in foreign policy, handicap this country's security. In a world of complex and continuing problems, in a world full of frustrations and irritations, America's leadership must be guided by the lights of learning and reason, or else those who confuse rhetoric with reality and the plausible with the possible will gain the popular ascendance with their seemingly swift and simple solutions to every world problem. There will always be dissident voices heard in the land expressing opposition without alternatives, finding fault but never favor, perceiving gloom on every side, and seeking influence without responsibility. Those voices are inevitable. But today, other voices are heard in the land, voices preaching doctrines wholly unrelated to reality, wholly unsuited to the 60s, doctrines which apparently assume that words will suffice without weapons, that vituperation is as good as victory, and that peace is a sign of weakness, at a time when the national debt is steadily being reduced. In terms of its burden on our economy, they see that debt as the greatest single threat to our security. At a time when we are steadily reducing the number of federal employees serving every thousand citizens, they fear those supposed hordes of civil servants far more than the actual hordes of opposing armies. We cannot expect that everyone 
to use the phrase of a decade ago, we'll talk sense to the American people, but we can hope that fewer people will listen to nonsense and the notion that this nation is headed for the feet through deficit, or that strength is but a matter of slogan, is nothing but just plain nonsense. I want to discuss with you today the status of our strength and our security, because this question clearly calls for the most responsible qualities of leadership and the most enlightened products of scholarship. For this nation's strength and security are not easily or cheaply obtained, nor are they quickly and simply explained. There are many kinds of strength, and no one kind will suffice. Overwhelming nuclear strength cannot stop a guerrilla war. Formal pacts of alliance cannot stop internal subversion. Displays of material wealth cannot stop the disillusionment of the diplomat subjected to discrimination. Above all, words alone are not enough. The United States is a peaceful nation, and where our strength and determination are clear, our words need merely to convey conviction, not belligerent. If we are strong, our strength will speak for itself. If we are weak, words will be of no help I realize that this nation often tends to identify turning points in world affairs with the major addresses which preceded them. But it was not the Monroe Doctrine that kept all Europe away from this hemisphere. It was the strength of the British fleet and the width of the Atlantic Ocean. It was not General Marshall's speech at Harvard which kept communism out of Western Europe. It was the strength and stability made possible by our military and economic consistency. In this administration, also it has been necessary at times to issue specific warnings, warnings that we could not stand by and watch the communists come out by force or intervene in the Congo or swallow West Berlin or maintain offensive missiles on Cuba, but while our goals were at least temporarily obtained in these and other instances, our successful defense of freedom was due not to the words we used, but to the strength we stood ready to use on behalf of the principles we stand ready to defend. This strength is imposed of many different elements, ranging from the most massive deterrent to the most subtle influence, and all types of strength are needed. No one can do the job alone. Let us take a moment, therefore, to review this nation's progress in each major area of strength. First, as Secretary McNamara made clear in his address last Monday, the strategic nuclear power of the United States has been so greatly modernized and expanded in the last thousand days by the rapid production and deployment of the most modern mystical systems that any and all potential aggressors are clearly confronted now 
With the impossibility of strategic victory and the certainty of total destruction, if by reckless attack they should ever force upon us the necessity of a strategic reply, in less than three years, we have increased by 50% the number of Valera submarines ready only to be enforced by the next fiscal year, increased by more than 70%. Our total Valera purchase program increased by more than 75%. Our Minuteman purchase program increased by 50%. The portion of our strategic bombers on 15 minute alert and increased by 100%. The total number of nuclear weapons available in our strategic alert forces. Our security is further enhanced by the steps we have taken regarding these weapons to improve the speed and certainty of their response, their readiness at all times to respond, their ability to survive an attack, and their ability to be carefully controlled and directed to secure command operations. But the lessons of the last decade have taught us that freedom cannot be defended by strategic nuclear power alone. We have, therefore, in the last three years, accelerated the development and deployment of tactical nuclear weapons and increased by 60%. The tactical nuclear forces deployed in Western Europe, Northern Europe, or any other continent rely on nuclear forces alone. Whether they are strategic or tactical, we have radically improved the readiness of our conventional forces, increased by 45%. The number of combat-ready Army divisions increased by 100%. The procurement of modern Army weapons and equipment increased by 100%. Our ship construction, conversion, and modernization program increased by 100%. Our procurement of tactical aircraft increased by 30%. The number of tactical air squadrons and increased the strength of the Marines. As last month, Operation Dayliff, which originated in Texas, showed so clearly this nation is prepared as never before to move substantial numbers of men in surprisingly little time to advance positions anywhere in the world. We have increased by 175% the procurement of airlift aircraft, and we have already achieved a 75% increase in our existing strategic airlift capability. Finally, moving beyond the traditional roles of our military forces, we have achieved an increase of nearly 600% in our special forces, those forces, that are prepared to work with our allies and friends against the guerrillas, saboteur, insurgents, and assassins who threaten freedom in a less direct but equally dangerous manner. But American military might, should not, and need not, stand alone against the ambitions of international communism, our security and strength. In the last analysis, directly depends on the security and strength of others. And that is why 
our military and economic assistance plays such a key role in enabling those who live on the periphery of the communist world to maintain their independence of choice, our assistance to these nations can be painful, risky, and costly, as is true in Southeast Asia today, but we cannot weary of the task. For our assistance makes possible the stationing of 3.5 million allied troops along the communist frontier at one-tenth the cost of maintaining a comparable number of American soldiers. A successful communist breakthrough in these areas necessitating direct United States intervention would cost us several times as much as our entire foreign aid program and might cost us heavily in American lives as well. About 70% of our military assistance goes to nine key countries located on or near the borders of the communist bloc. Nine countries in front of direct or indirect with the threat of communist aggression, Vietnam, free China, Korea, India, Pakistan, Thailand, Greece, Turkey, and Iran. No one of these countries possesses on its own the resources to maintain the forces which our own chiefs of staff think needed in the common interest, reducing our efforts to train, equip, and assist their armies can only encourage communist penetration and require, in time, the increased overseas deployment of American combat forces and reducing the economic help needed to bolster these nations that undertake to help defend freedom can have the same disastrous result. In short, the $50 billion we spend each year on our own defense could well be effective without the $4 billion required for military and economic assistance. Our foreign aid program is not growing in size. It is, on the contrary, smaller now than in previous years. It has had its weaknesses, but we have undertaken to correct them and the proper way of treating weaknesses is to replace them with strength, not to increase those weaknesses by emasculating essential programs. Dollar for dollar, in or out of government, there is no better form of investment in our national security than our much abused foreign aid program. We cannot afford to lose it. We can afford to maintain it. We can surely afford, for example, to do as much for our 1980 neighbors of Latin America as the communist bloc is sending to the island of Cuba alone. I have spoken of strength, largely in terms of the deterrence and resistance of aggression and attack. But in today's world, freedom can be lost without a shot being fired by ballots as well as bullets. The success of our leadership is dependent upon respect for our mission in the world, as well as our missiles, on a clear recognition of the virtues of freedom, as well as the evils of tyranny. That is why our information agency 
has doubled the shortwave broadcasting power of the Voice of America and increased the number of broadcasting hours by 30%. Increased Spanish language broadcasting to Cuba and Latin America from one to nine hours a day, increased sevenfold to more than 3.5 million copies. The number of American books been translated and published for Latin American readers and taken a host of other steps to carry our message of truth and freedom to all the far corners of the earth. And that is also why we have regained the initiative in the exploration of outer space, making an annual effort greater than the combined total of all space activities undertaken during the 50s launching more than 130 vehicles into Earth orbit, putting into actual operation valuable weather and communications satellites, and making it clear to all that the United States of America has no intention of finishing second in space. This effort is expensive, but it pays its own way for freedom and for America, for there is no longer any fear in the free world, that a communist lead in space will become a permanent assertion of supremacy and the basis of military superiority. There is no longer any doubt about the strength and skill of American science, American industry, American education, and the American free enterprise system. In short, our national space effort represents the great gain in and the great resource of our national strength, and both Texas and Texans are contributing greatly to this strength. Finally, it should be clear by now that a nation can be no stronger abroad than she is at home, only in America, which practices what it preaches about equal rights and social justice will be respected by those whose choice affects our future. Only in America, which has fully educated its citizens, is fully capable of tackling the complex problems and perceiving the hidden dangers of the world in which we live. And only in America, which is growing and prospering economically, can sustain the worldwide defenses and freedom while demonstrating to all concerned the opportunities of our system and society. It is clear, therefore, that we are strengthening our security as well as our economy by our recent record increase in national income and output by surging ahead of most of Western Europe in the rate of business expansion and the margin of corporate profits by maintaining a more stable level of prices than almost any of our overseas competitors and by cutting personal and corporate income taxes by some $11 billion, as I have proposed to assure this nation of the longest and strongest expansion in our peacetime economic history. This nation's total output, which three years ago was at the $500 billion mark, will soon pass $600 billion for a record rise of over $100 billion in three years. For the first time in history, 
We have 70 million men and women at work. For the first time in history, average factory earnings have exceeded $100 a week. For the first time in history, corporation profits after taxes, which have risen 43% in less than three years, have an annual level of $27.4 billion. My friends and fellow citizens, I cite these facts and figures to make it clear that America today is stronger than ever before. Our adversaries have not abandoned their ambitions. Our dangers have not diminished. Our vigilance cannot be relaxed. But now we have the military, the scientific, and the economic strength to do whatever must be done for the preservation and promotion of freedom. That strength will never be used in pursuit of aggressive ambitions. It will always be used in pursuit of peace. It will never be used to promote provocations. It will always be used to promote the peaceful settlement of disputes. We in this country, in this generation, are by destiny, rather than choice, the watchmen on the walls of world freedom. We ask, therefore, that we may be worthy of our power and responsibility, that we may exercise our strength with wisdom and restraint, and that we may achieve in our time and for all time the ancient vision of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That must always be our goal, and the righteousness of our cause must always underlie our strength, for as was written long ago, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.